Yeah. So, uh, Fox, the other ha- the what's in the box? All is right. The tell other, me. It's the other half of Kano's brain. Um, while he was a prisoner of the cruel, half of his brain was replaced by a cruel brain. So he's sort of half half human, half cruel brain wise and um the box contains the remains of his uh human brain of, of his of the other half of his human brain what do you think lame or at dog earth let's my name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 164th episode of Space Fitter 2000 oh, podcast. Man. Yeah, so many. Podcast for two Americans are going to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for April and May 1987, progs 519 to 522. This time, judges do ads. The wolf comes to Mega City One. Torquemada gets remarried, and Reagan drops the soap. Man, I I gotta say, I'm sad that this isn't episode 169 because I I bequeath this episode the title of and give it like a little bit of a sparkly flair behind this uh, sexiest episode. Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, super <laughs> sexy, buddy. What 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 happened? Oh no. What happened for this month, man? I mean, they just end of April. Yeah, listen, we tur- the, the prog turned ten, and it just uh, you know it's had a real it's had a real awakening. You know, it's, I think we can all agree on that. It's going through an early puberty. Yeah, if you want to read along with us with this in this sexy, sexy series of progs, you can find the <laughs> comics we're covering today in Judge Dredd: The Complete Case Files Ten, Strontium Dog SDHT Files Four. Complete Bad Company, Slaying the King, Judge Anderson's Sci-Files Volume 1, Nemesis the Warlock Volume 2, and 2080 Extreme Edition 21. Oh, man. So yeah. many bucks. And, yeah, and speaking of mysterious boxes, Fox. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, super, super sexy. We Fantastic. go to Thrill 1, Bad Company. I'll give a shout-out. I know you'll bring it up, but uh, Kano Beans... Uh, debuted in this as one of the the reader arts, and this feels so. I mean, I figure they picked no, yeah, it for that yeah. reason. You know, strong pun, super yeah. strong for sure. So, Skiff Robot for Bad Company, Peter Milligan, Art Robot, Brett Ewins, and Jim McCarthy, Letting Robot, Tom Frame. We open with a big picture of Kano that's got these alternating white and black lines that really reminds Oof. me of an op, like the optical illusion stuff that oh, uh, yeah. Jim Steranko did for Nick Fury back in the 60s and stuff like that. This sort of use of uh, white and black and negative space and stuff like that. Just make for cool images. In this case, an angry, an, an angry Kano. Oh, man, he's real mad. We're going to find out why, too. But first, let's cut to the fact of why he's mad. That's right. Yeah, shout out to Fox at the start of this episode where I've replayed when I told uh, at, at the end of our last episode when I told Fox what was in the box and he was not pleased. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so listen, Mad Tommy tells the story of how um, he how about how how when he was captured, the cruel scooped out half of Kano's brain like so many right. oysters from a shell, and uh. we see a young Danny Franks watching a video of like a seagull doing this, and just a quick look at like dystopian Earth, which looks real bad. All the animals are dead, temperatures rising, etc. I mean, it just looks like Mega City One, so I don't. 
It's got a Mega City-ish flair for sure. Um, the, the That half of Kano's brain was, re, was replaced by a cruel brain, and the two brains interfaced, get all brain crazy, <laughs> making Kano half-alien-brained. And the box is the human, is the is half of his human brain that's been removed, preserved in like Lucite or something. Yeah, I guess, but it's not really half of his brain. Well, hold on. You know, that's <sighs> at the end here, buddy. Like, um, yeah, I guess... Um, the crew were trying to improve their own brains, and which had reached the peak of, of their evolutionary limits. Which, but humans were still in development. That doesn't so they make to sense. Just jam those two brains together and see how it goes. You know, yeah. I mean, that sounds like science. I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you can put a psychic man's brain in a panther's body and have him still retain his psychic tude, yeah, I'll buy this. Yeah. I'm ready. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, the crew didn't count on just Kano going real nuts and killing everybody, which you should always plan on, frankly. <laughs> right. Well, we're going to make a Frankenstein. Like, oh, he's not going to, nothing's going to happen. Do they have no classic literature on their planet? It shows why their brains haven't developed enough, buddy. You know? Oh, God. There's no modern Prometheus in the, <laughs> on, on Cruels, I guess. Um, but so, uh, Kano, of course, did go nuts and did snap and kill everybody. And uses a giant drill to drill their heads. I'm like, what is this giant drill for? Just got connected to the ceiling. We see him doing brain stuff, man. You need a giant drill to do brain (laughs) stuff. Okay? (laughs) How are you going to get through that skull, dude, if you don't have have the drill? And don't forget (laughs) the machine that goes ping. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't automatically. Pretty clear to me. (laughs) So Kano escapes. He bumps into Mad Tommy, who's forced to pretend to be super mad so that Kano wouldn't kill him for knowing the truth about the whole being captured and the brain being lost and stuff like that. It was a good play. Good play. Yeah. From from that, they just started wandering, picking up weirdos and and strays as they go. And the whole bad company thing sort of goes from there. Um, I still feel like I could use some more backstory for some bad company members, but yeah. whatever. I guess we aren't going to talk about it. No, but I kind of want to. I kind of want to know what the deal with like Thrax and right? Wallbanger are. Like where this uh, zombie gunfighter and like food creating robot came from. Arguably, the two most like I, for me, it, I, and it sounds like for you also, just the more interesting characters out of everything going on. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm much more into these guys than Kano. Actually, Mud Burgers and a maybe vampire. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mud burgers that kill your your plant friend. Yeah. So Danny's sort of reflecting on this whole situation as uh, Mac and Tommy fix up a nearby spaceship. He's sort of like Kano taught them how to use the meaningless horror of Ararat as a weapon and really turned them into a bad company. Man, I love, I, you know... If I was trying to get off an exploding planet and a buddy of mine was just dicking around with his journal, I'd be like, bitch, get over here and help me fix this transport. Nah, because, like, you know that your buddy that's constantly writing in his journal, maybe maybe your experience with inveterate journal writers is, is different than mine, Fox. <laughs> but if some guy's constantly writing in a journal, you're better off just letting him write in his journal. Because otherwise, he's just going to be complaining about his lack of ability to journal <laughs> the whole time you're trying to get your chores done. You Jesus. Know? <laughs> Like it's like, listen, we gotta repair the ship. Yeah, but I just want to finish this section of my journal. It's like, okay, do it. All right, <laughs> just leave me alone. 
And they're always oh like, God. all right, well, okay, just give me a second because I know we're in danger, but I got to write the fact that we're in danger into my journal before I go anywhere, you know? It's like, come on, buddy. I think – I <laughs> Just again, stop writing. It would it, – it, <laughs> It still would would piss me off a little bit when my buddy or when I then remind that guy, hey, you know, the plant's blown up. You'll have your diary back there. And he's like, no, man. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> so so Danny's finishing things up um, God. and he and and Danny asked the question I wanted to know, which was how Tommy got Kano's brain back. And Tommy admits, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, listen, this is that's not Kano's brain. That's just some dude's brain I like, found on the street. You know, in the most normal answer that that could be there. I'm glad it didn't air on Fantastical. He's just like, no, man, I just cut out a dude's fucking brain. I mean, it's perfectly reasonable. Like, you know, he's gonna fight his way back in to just steal half of some guy's brain. Um, plus, very real chance that brain was smashed into the head of some cruel dude. You know, oh, like God, he's yeah. walking around half half a cano brain. Um, Which means that but, that cruel is turning into a human, kind of like that we'll wants to kill cruel. Mm, we'll see. Um, Will we? Anyhow, yeah, so so Tommy just found a random brain, and, uh, you know, basically Kano just needed some kind of brain, just as a totem, basically, to say that he's not, he's still basically human and not sort of some kind of monster. Right, he's, Danny he's says, still in the real world and not in the dream world, right? Kinda. So, so Danny says, like, this part's, this is just kind of a big joke, and Tommy says, hey man, like, don't get it twisted, everything's a joke, this world is bullshit. <laughs> Just FYI, you know, <laughs> very, very Conrad sort of situation when people say like, oh, like, you know, you're going to die eventually. And I'm like, yeah, we're all going to die eventually, man. Like, it's all going to happen one way or another. Jesus. One way or another, you, all of your friends are going to die, buddy. Like, you know, whether you whether you save them from this supervillain or not, it's going to happen one, at, at one point. <laughs> so you might as well die to like a, a laser shark. Exactly. Um, so they go to take off and Danny does leave his diary behind. It belongs here in Ararat, sort of as a, a journal of the war in his time there. He sits it next to Kano's black box as the ship takes off and the planet starts to rip itself apart. And I think it's actually a, like, like a cool like moment, just sort sure. of a book and the box. They're both sort of these totems that these two characters that sort of, you know, a big central part was sort of Danny turning into Kano over the course of the story. And so to, for both of them to leave totems of their past on Ararat as it destroys itself, I think is an interesting uh, image. It is. It was a, I, I that, mean, that panel's nice. Yeah. That's set, Fox. The end of Bad Company. Forever? No. Uh, well, first, later in the prog, there's a cool sketch of Kano and a question mm -hmm. mark. Uh, the end? And no, no, no. Bad Company will return for part two called Bewilderness. In November of 1987, so like, I don't okay. know, six months, six prog months for, from where we are now. All right. Not bad. Yeah, I'm really interested to see the second part. I think it's a really interesting story. Like, um, we're really going to start see even more than this first version. Uh, book two of Bad Company is really going to lean into some of this crazier, like, mind-bending weirdness aspects of, uh, of of the Bad Company story. And I'm All interested right. to see where it goes, for sure. Uh, okay, cool. Excited. Yeah. Bad Company was awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I, man, I, for me, this is this is one of these uh, like, like modern stories that I'm really really makes me excited for this late '80s era of, of 2008. Mm. To sort of, I, I feel like Bad Company is a really cool idea of what these new artists, uh, 
of what these new writers can accomplish in 2008, you know? Like, yeah, Peter Milgan's very much this, this new class of writer that's come after, like, your, your, your Grants and Wagners and stuff. But speaking of those old war horses, Fox. Oh, yeah. Or old war dogs, me. <laughs> Thrill 2, Strontium Dog. Time to start out with some badam, 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 badam. Always. Yeah, script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant. Art robot Clarissa Scare. Letting robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. Fox! Uh. In the late 22nd century, mutant bounty hunters Johnny Alpha and Durham Red are assaulting a slaughterhouse on the planet Kayak, held by a band of alien freedom fighters called Kayakos K. They want humanity to leave their planet, and to accomplish this, they have used time travel technology to kidnap U.S. President Ronald Reagan from the U.S. Embassy in Moscow in 1987. If the humans don't leave the planet in 30 days, they'll kill the president, which will destroy the human timeline. Also, I should mention Johnny Alpha's mutant powers that let him see through walls, and Durham Red Red has powers that basically make her a sexy vampire. And man... (laughs) It's a good team-up. I just love just laying out the plot of, uh, of this Tronti <laughs> dog story because it's, it's so the movie ridiculous. we always wanted. It's the comic that that we need. Definitely, yeah. Um, Johnny Alpha sympathizes with the Kayakos K agenda, so they're using stun shots. And now a, gu- a firefight ensues, leading the bounty hunters into the basement of the slaughterhouse and into the cold storage. There, hanging from a hook, they find Ronald Reagan. Oh, man, he's just there being real cold. Yeah. With the president secured, the freedom fighters just yell at Johnny, saying that he's dooming their race to slavery. But Johnny stops them because he's got sympathy for the kayaks and has no intention of handing over Reagan until every human is off the planet. What? What? Yeah, exactly. Um, and by God, Reagan wants the facts, all right? He recaps <laughs> the situation like just like I did and confuses the kayaks with canoes, which I appreciate. It's a good malapropian. Really good. Um yeah, but he can't get that Johnny's just going to keep him prisoner, and that confuses Red too. But so so Johnny lays it out, which is that he he's cool with the Kayakos K demands. He just doesn't trust them to not kill Reagan anyway after the the planet. Yeah, so I, that's pretty fair. Yeah, like they might just do it for spite, you know. So mm-hmm. he's going to take Reagan to a safe house, and the kayaks can just keep negotiating with the humans to get them off the, off their planet. Well, hey, that seems to work out. He's dealt with humans before. It didn't really work out for them. Mm. Yeah. The the Kaikos K leader agrees to this, and soon Johnny, Red, and Reagan are being smuggled out in a meat truck. Oh, pretty awesome. Until mm. there's a police cordon, and you gotta, like, jump into the, I'm guessing, blood vat below? No, because she didn't eat something. anything, so it's like some kind of poop vat. Yeah, something real stinky down there. If this goes well, Johnny's name will be remembered by the kayaks forever. Yes, they got to dodge this police checkpoint. They ju- they basically, yeah, it's sort of a mini sewer contained within this the bottom of this truck. Which smells what? real bad. Everybody, they jump down there and hide successfully, um, dodging the cops. And speaking of the stinky fox, Ooh. those other bounty hunters are finally swum to swum to ha- to Hang Kang, and if they ever find Johnny and Red, I'm gonna ram this knob carry so far down their throats. Yeah, shakes fist. It's just like such a weird. It's a weird sentiment uh, to have them feel like they were born with a with a hit and stick inside of them. But you know, uh, that's fine. Yeah. Points points Basically, for effort, though, but didn't stick yeah, to landing. Just, Definitely. But this is just sort of just to keep this ball in the air. Yes, there is a trio of bounty hunters still on their look for Reagan, and they just don't care for Johnny Alpha and Durham Red. You know. <laughs> the huge. 
Yeah. The truck arrives at a farm in the countryside, and everyone's all gross and smelly. The Kayakos K are guarding them, and Red goes to take a shower. But after a couple... Go ahead. Sorry. I just... <laughs> that's immediate it's, it's immediately what happens and then it and then things escalate and they just yeah, escalate so quickly <laughs> she's been in there for a while man she's taken forever and since hey they're gonna be together for 30 days anyway johnny strips down and gets in the shower with her Woo! Oh! <laughs> dog puns <laughs> yeah Things are getting steamy, and then Reagan joins them. Oh my like, god! Suddenly, it's, it's like a it's like a a, a GOP uh, fucking wet dream right now. Yeah, seriously, I feel like if they knew it existed, there'd be a, a whole lot of people wishing to be the Johnny Alpha in this particular sandwich. <laughs> um, so true, you know. Um, Reagan starts sudsing up and eventually he drops the soap. Oh, oh no. Oh <laughs> god. And that's that's where we leave that scene. I do like how Reagan talks about how normally he's got a soap on a rope, so he just kind of wears it around his neck at all times, which feels yeah. very 80s to me that uh, soap on the rope concept. I mean, feels like a safe bet in certain circumstances. Feels like an excuse not to have one in others. So, uh, after they get all cleaned up, Johnny stumps out and shoots all the Kayakos K guards right in the face. <laughs> it really just happens, like, so fast. Yeah. He can't trust them, and he's got to, so, you know, just because, again, the same problem of what happens if they win, they just decide to kill them all anyway, you know? So, instead, he's going to protect Reagan on his own with Red. Their path has been cleared, and the three walk off into the wilderness Hit the trail, cowboy. Woohoo. Now it's time for a a bitchy Ronald Reagan to follow us through this fucking like jungle desert. Yeah, well, I mean, he's like in his seventies, you know. He's that's, like an old guy. That's actually pretty fair. You do gotta kind of keep a, a slower clip, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, the mutants and president are walking through the, yeah, like you said, the kind of a jungly desert when Reagan cuts his leg on a thorn to the delight of Durham Red. <laughs> Johnny says they, they've got to make good distance to escape Kayako's cake and patrols and then turns to see Red drinking Ronnie's blood straight from the spigot, which is not cool. She's just like, Reagan's- God damn it, woman, don't do that. And she's like, do what? Yes. And I love, I love how oblivious Reagan is. He's like, oh, man, you got big old teeth teeth like a vampire that's like a big coincidence like yeah whatever <laughs> um to make better speed reagan hops on johnny's back and they make oh. tracks piggyback style a lot of fetishes and, and johnny out this, this week um at nightfall wow. they arrive at an abandoned temple and make camp there red isn't very pleased about all this reagan had better be on his best behavior i say yeah, something tells me that's not going to be how it really comes out, but that's fine. Yeah. Meanwhile, words of the dog's escape has arrived at Kayako's K, and they get a message from Johnny Alpha telling them not to not to follow, and that they have thirty days ticking clock. Yeah, there's no choice. The Freedom Fighters will just have to trust Johnny Alpha. And then we see the human authorities meet, and they're just like, "Listen, like we're SOL here, man. Like they can't find Reagan." And they, they, we might not be able to find him at all until the deadline. Reagan being killed would just be the end of human history as we know it. It would change everything. But it would have zero effect on the kayaks. Heck, they'd probably be stoked if human history changed uh, with Reagan dying. Jesus. 
So after some hemming and hawing, they just realize they have no choice but to evacuate every human from the planet, which is pretty cool. Well, all right. I guess they're probably getting their way. We'll we'll see them slightly not get their way a little later, and then things will be okay, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if that's the way you're going to be, Fox, okay. Like, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say, because with, with Strontium Dog, sometimes you roll the dice and, uh, and, you know, a whole shitload of people just die. Or yeah, you, it's... It, it's yeah. happened for sure, man. You know, let's uh, let's like let's root for some cool stuff. You know, listen, at man. least some more some more vampires threatening a U.S. president. I feel I, like that's, that's more imagery we could all be into. So I don't I don't even care where it ends up. I just want to see what what these two get up to or three in this Absolutely. case. Yeah, it's going to yeah, be fantastic. The, these are fun characters, and I, I'm really stoked to uh, to see them interact with each other for sure. Ronald Reagan just needs to be the new Gronk. <laughs> Next time on Strontium Dog, the president's private war. Oh. We'll see. Beautiful. And yeah. Speaking of uh, exciting new story. Or no, actually, yeah. Speaking of copious amounts of blood. Flux, <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> so gross. Yeah. yeah. Thrill 3, Judge Dredd. Oh, it's so gross. It's so English. Totally. Gross. <laughs> so Get ready for some massive credits here, Fox. It's oh, uh, God. script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant, art robots, Brendan McCarthy, Gary Leach, Brett Ewens, Ian Gibson, Robin Smith, Kevin O'Neill, Cam Kennedy, and Paul Hardy, and letting robot, a Tom Frame. Oh, God, just in the game, the man has the name that is all about the fame, baby. Tom Frame, I don't know. Tim Tom, yeah. <laughs> Love that man. So we start with Dread completely covered in blood. He only wanted a pint. <laughs> it, it this this goes places. I mean, I'm scared of needles too, dude. Yeah, but listen, you know, don't be this scared, Fox. Like, oh no, you have some backbone. Well, uh, in this situation, we, definitively, yes. Yeah, we we flash back, and Citizen Hob Beardley is required to donate blood to help the fighters in the Colony War, which we haven't heard that much about. Who knows? But but we need a lot of blood for it. That's that's the facts, and not just any blood, compulsory blood. <laughs> Aw, but he hates giving blood. Still, it's give blood or the cubes, so he heads out. <laughs> my my favorite part of the note isn't just that you are being compelled to give one pint of blood. It also says at the bottom right, notice, failure to read this note, or to, failure to read this notice is considered a crime. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, it's a crime to not give blood, and you can't say, like, oh, I didn't read the note, because even not reading the note's a crime. <laughs> Double then, man. It's good, yeah. Double, double whammy. You know, it's beautiful. Um, they thought of everything. So there's a yeah, there's a big queue for the blood bank, and we see a huge freighter carrying a massive blood shipment, like suspended in a cargo net beneath this Ugh. like big space freighter. It's real cool. Seems like a great place to store your blood. Continue. Yeah, that much blood freaks out Hop, but Dread, <laughs> who's working crowd control on the line, is not impressed by his wimpiness. Get out of here. <laughs> I love the people talking to him the whole time, like just emphasizing how much blood there is or or conspiracy theorizing. And how much of a wimp he is for not wanting to just give some, you know? Yeah, it's just a pint of blood. Yeah. At the donation center, Hob is super freaked and escapes the place. He jumps right out of a window like two stories up. It's pretty crazy. Steals a car. Yeah. Dread is in pursuit. A pint of you belongs to us, creep. 
Oh my god, so good. Yeah. Hobbs steals a hover car, he's on the run, but then crashes the car into the blood freighter, uh, dropping 3,000 pints of blood onto the city. Gross! Uh, and onto Dread. It's just like a blood shower. Ugh. Yeah, no, he's going full, full carry here, you know? It's oh Dread's my god. Or, uh, or um, Blade, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah! Nightclub and Blade, a lot mm. of you know all your all your blood baths. <laughs> Hobbs are Hobbs arrested and taken away. He can either replace all the lost blood by paying nine hundred and sixty thousand credits, or he can give a pint a week in the cubes until he's given three thousand pints. And that's oh. what they do. They take him away. And just so you know, Fox, that'll take about five years of a of a weekly blood donation. What the fuck? <laughs> Yeah, listen, it's the, it's the, it's the Space Spinner 2000 of a blood giving, you know? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Next up, Prague 520. Fox, there's been a mass breakout at Devil's Island oh Prison. Oh, my God. Prison in the middle of a roundabout in uh, the middle of Mega City 1 Highway. Buddy. I've been waiting since you told me, and I knew it when I saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You called this, which I was pretty stoked about, actually. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, one of the escapees is Randolph Whiteley, a.k.a. Whitey, taken hostages at a month's plant, and Dredd's on his way. FYI, Dredd put Whitey away ten years ago, way back in Prague 2, Dredd's first appearance! Oh my god, it's fantastic. So, he's out, he's in trouble, but Dredd's like, I, who the fuck is this guy? This, yeah, he's like, had to face down so many fucking horrors. It's very um M Bison in the uh in the Street Fighter. Oh, for movie, me it was Fox. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. That for speech. you when 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 Judge Dredd arrested you was the most important day of your life. For me it was Tuesday, you know? It was it is it is one of the finest most most well tuned fucking bad guy speeches in all oh, of yeah. movie history. And yeah, I mean it was Quote, wasted on that film. But yeah, for a terrible movie, there's one shining moment in it for sure. (laughs) My shining light. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Getting real worse idea the whole time here. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, because I mean, because as Dredge writing out, he like reflects on the various bad guys he's fought over the years. The literal apocalypse war, <laughs> Judge Death, the mutant, even like singular one-time villains like Orlock or Nosferatu. Rat his name in blood. <laughs> um, you know who the hell's Whitey, dude? Dude, whatever. <laughs> Oh, man. I should mention also, there's no mention here of Whitey's return in Prague 31 or the 1978 annual. Like, mm. don't get freaked out about it. Yeah. Um, of course, it is a big deal for Whitey, as we mentioned. He suffered all those years on Devil's Island, and it sounds pretty bad just sort of in this, like, traffic island in the middle of a of a highway that, that never ends. The, the noise, the pollution, the terribleness, just the... The urge just walk out into the traffic and kill yourself. You know, it, it's tough. Feels like a, a place you'd set someone down for doing something real bad. Yeah, and he's gonna prove and and he's getting his revenge by just killing these hostages straight up. Does throw a guy right out of a window. Yeah, then ice awesome. is a dude. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I I, I should say uh, Gary Leach is doing the art for this one. I don't know if it's I gorgeous. That. 
It's real good. Um, Dredd arrives, and Whitey agrees to exchange his hostages for an unarmed Dredd, and Dredd agrees. He drops his weapon and armor, heading up with just a helmet, his badge, and his black jumpsuit. And he, like, Dredd looks so naked, Fox, without, like, all of his, like, shoulder pads and knee pads and elbow pads and boots and stuff, you know? Like it's, a like a true. plucked chicken. Yeah, you know? it's, it's very strange, but he's just so huge and menacing. Also, yeah. this has one of my favorite pictures so far of dread which is just him silhouetted you just see the helmet you don't even see his face it's just like from Mm -hmm. the light from behind and it's just all this use of black it's fucking beautiful and this and i think it's interesting that this like modular design of dread's armor is what they'll use in uh the stallone dread movie where they you know like Mm. there's a you know there are parts where he takes up part of it and kind of as a uniform underneath you know Oh, and shout out, he wears black and white striped socks. Listen, Dredno still knows how to party, even though his boots are very tight, you know? <laughs> they are very tight boots. <laughs> oh, um, shit, he took off his boots. Does that mean he's having second thoughts now? I mean, no, because he's still feeling it. You know, Now he's like uncomfortable because nah. he's got to walk around in his socks, you know? That's, what it's, <laughs> no, that's the next best thing of just walking in stocking to be wearing tight boots. That's fair. Um, so... And and they're in a months factory. I don't know if I said that either. Um, but 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 whatever. Um, bunch of things they, looking like heads falling towards a giant grinder, etc. Definitely, yeah. Dread then uh, gets through the uh, through the machinery of of the months factory. He like rides a hook. He like holds on to a hook and like swings over to Whitey. Basically, we see again. Yeah, his striped socks, as you mentioned. And Whitey threatens to grind Dread into months burgers. But Dread's frankly had just about enough of this. Frankly. And so he rips his badge off of his chest and throws it at Whitey like a ninja star and it just smashes right into his forehead, Deep. piercing his forehead and brain. Oh, it's real awesome. God, and just hurls him downwards towards the Munz grinder where he basically halts it just because of his human body mass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whitey gets pretty ground up and Dred's okay. They both, as they both fall into the Munz grinders. Um, we see some Munz patties with fingers Ugh. and other sort of Whitey pieces in them Ugh. as they roll out. Dred reflects. It's been 10 years, but Whitey never learned. Crime doesn't pay. It's true. <laughs> I mean, don't come after Judge Dredd. I feel like, you know, yeah. like that's the first thing you kind of figure out after, you know, a first arrest. Yeah, listen, if Judge Death can't handle Judge Dredd, you can't be just some dude and call out Judge Dredd. Oh, God, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, I I do like this, like, talking about, like, Whitey coming back and stuff like that. I do really oh, appreciate, course. like, the use of this character at the 10-year anniversary and stuff like that. I will say, this is the end of Whitey. There's no, like, zombie Whitey at the 20th, at the 20th anniversary <laughs> or anything like that, you know? So just, just be cool about it. <laughs> But also kind of interesting, Fox, like, I guess because we're, because we just passed, because what we just talked about was for Prog 520. And mm. and a lot of times what they do in these progs when they sort of get to a big round number and they, or a jumping on prog and they kind of know there's going to be a lot of people sort of coming on to, like, read the prog is they have a bunch of these sort of one-off, like, kind of introductory issues to mm. uh, Dread. We, we saw a similar one after Prog 500, I think. Yes. But so, the, and so we're, and, and we're seeing it now just with a pair of sort of like fun one-off Judge Dredd things here. Oh, God, uh, it's so weird, but so great. Yeah, first off are some crazy just ad parodies. It's <laughs> Judge Dredd in, what if the judges did the ads? 
And these are all commercial parodies based on ads at the time. A freaking murderer's row of artists, which is pretty cool. Ah, each one so beautiful. Yeah, and I want to say shout out to the uh, 1977 to 2080 Facebook group uh, members, Steve Green, Scott Barr, and Wooly Russell, who helped me identify what all these ads are. Ooh. Like there's a lot of a lot of like uh, working together. Um, I think in the morning for them, late at night for me, just sort of talking about these. They like linked me to the YouTube ads of the original ones and stuff like that. Huh. It's really awesome. I really okay. appreciate it. So yeah. they are grounded so, in a thing. Oh yes. <clears throat> um, first up, Brett Ewins shows Dread running down some perps and offering them a Berkey bar before clubbing and arresting them. It even makes Dread smile. Eating this Berkey bar. Fresh goes and better, man. Toast freshness. This is actually for uh, a Yorkie bar, Ooh. which is this bar that's got a like big old hunks of chocolate, basically. Mm. And I saw two ads for this, which were both basically about like like both the ads were a truck driver is driving hard, and he the only thing that keeps him going is 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 eating this Berkey bar. Like when he takes a moment to reflect on life. Um, in the course of the ad, he stops his truck and allows a lady or ladies to like drive ahead of him. He like kind of gets like a after you kind of move. Mm. Like this happens in both in both versions of the ad. Okay, and I saw one version that. Was was like a slap and country and western version and one that was like a synth like new wave version and that was the greatest thing i ever saw in my life okay (laughs) anyway next up cam kennedy shows us a guy a down on his luck citizen contemplating suicide but even his gun is out of ammo God still, damn it. He's, he's pretty threatened. He's still pretty threatening, just sort of screaming at his luck with the gun. So Dredd shoots him, <laughs> and he's taken away on an MW meat wagon. Uh, po- and this one's pointing towards an ad for uh, the the Volkswagen Golf GTI, which is kind of this um, commercial where this guy in a tuxedo kind of like stumbles out of a casino. And there's all these like Rolls, Rolls Royces and stuff parked, but he just sort of drives off in, in, in a Golf. And the text is, is very similar. And the voiceover is very similar to what's going on in this one. Like in that one, it's like, uh, you know, the man who bet it all on red and it came up black. The oh. One was the man who married this, the sex kitten after, right before she turned into a cat, which is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Um, so next up, there's a, uh, a stuffed up Judge Death. The crime is live. The sentence is dead. Um, <laughs> when, when his victim offers offers him some tombs and then he's all cleared up tombs help you bereave more easily oh my god and this is based on a on a tunes like um cough drop things and there's a pretty famous ad where a guy tries to like buy a ticket um on the train the ticket agent can't understand what he's saying and so he gets some tombs and he says his ticket order and it's like he says in a very supercilious manner okay there's also another one where um it's like Darth Vader on the Death Star in a in a first Star Wars movie oh, and somebody no. offers him some, some some tombs just like to help breathe up his heavy clear up his heavy breathing and stuff it's pretty fun <laughs> oh, that's fantastic next up um we see Kev O'Neill's final dread it's only his third one though so don't worry about it <sighs> um or sorry I I should say sorry no sorry this uh Judge Death one is is Kev O'Neill's final Judge Dread piece of work okay but. It, it, it's only his third one, so don't stress out about it. You know, he, he didn't do a ton, but the ones he did were memorable. Mm-hmm. Next up, Robin Smith draws Dredd smashing up a car for bad parking. Yeah, what? Oh, no. Michael the car. Uh... This, one's based, 
This one's based on an ad for uh, the Renault 5, which was basically like the ad made it seem like where it was um, like a man and a woman talking about Michael. Like Michael's been taken. They want money. And, you know, we have to pay like like they're paying ransom for somebody. But it turns out that Michael's a car that's at like at the impound lots. So they have to pay to get him out of it. Because, like, okay. It's like, Reynold 5, what's yours named? You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Finally, Ian Gibson draws a lady walking into a laundromat. The sexy Taking dread. off all her clothes. Yeah. And going to wash them when some equally naked judge judges go to arrest her. They've been working undercover at this nudo mat to catch a perp. Oh and everybody God. walks away nakedly as, like, the song playing in the background covers up their butts. It's just, everyone just got so nude so quickly. Everybody's real naked, although I, 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 I like how Dredd's in there and he's still wearing his helmet. You know, that's how you do. <laughs> how you do, man. But uh, this is a parody of a, of a Levi's ad where a dude in, like, the 50s went into a laundromat. And like uh, took off his five hundred ones and put them in a in a washing machine with like some uh, with some rocks to kind of get his jeans to be the right proper like you know pre washed fit mm. uh, that you want from you know fancy pants. But anyway, good stuff here. I love like you know for me, I think because I've seen the ad the actual ads that these things are parodying, it's much funnier. I know the, uh, initially when I saw this, this was a lot of like, what the hell is going on here? So I can appreciate where you are right now, Fox. It was a little bit. Uh, I mean, the, the closer, I was just like, well, I guess this is just what I'm going to be reading this this day or, or this month, you know? Yeah, listen, this is a sexy-ass month of 2018. I mean, we all, damn. We, we all know it. Um, finally, Paul Hardy. Uh, Paul Hardy's on art. It's his first time in 2018 and one of only two appearances. At the Academy of Law, there's a recruitment lecture going on. Oh God, they, that's th- right. This is sort of sort of an intro to new readers about what's going on in, in a Mega City One. Basically, ninety seven ninety seven point seven percent of citizens will commit at least one offense a year, and to deal with it, judges are here to police the city, judge, jury, and executioner. Judge Dredd appears on the screen looking cool and gets a, pedent- a potential candidate kicked out for remarking on how cool he is. <laughs> We see a rundown of the hard life of a judge dealing with perps, not being able to trust citizens. A judge must make decisions quickly and has to always be right. To aid him, he gets the lawmaster bike and the lawgiver gun with six kinds of ammo. This part re- actually also really reminded me of the uh, of the ju- of the Stallone Dread movie, mm. where in that Stallone kind of gives a speech about judges' equipment at like the academy, you know? And like a lot of it's like, you know, showing off the different shots that a that, that a lawgiver can get and that the uh, that, that, that the hover lawmaster doesn't work and stuff like that. I don't know. Ugh. Anyway, it's a hard life these kids would be going into if they became judges. Training takes fifteen years. One in seven cadets die during training. <sighs> Another four in seven wash out. So only of any seven judges, only two out of every seven become judges, which is crazy. That's an amazing statistic, and, all right. Yeah. And parents should expect no loyalty for having a kid as a judge. That will be burned out of them during their training. You know, we've seen cadet judges gladly arrest their own parents for doing crimes. It's true. Um, oh, and, and, um, oh, yeah. And by the way, uh, after learning all of these facts. <laughs> yeah, it, you can leave now, but if you do, it's a hundred credit fine for wasting our time. And man, does the entire place just fucking exit. 
Yeah, in the end, the uh, of the crowded um, auditorium, only five kids remain to fill out the paperwork. And at the end of this comic, we get a copy of that paperwork. A lot of informational stuff, plus opinions about Judge Harshness, who you'd put in a cube if you could, and what you'll miss about uh, not about like your life before you became a judge. This is so easy. What like what most appeals to me? Justice. Uh, mm-hmm. Not nearly harsh enough, and I would also go for the extracurricular not harsh enough. Got to check those both. Mm. Even though it both. says tick, oh, actually, it does say tick one. You can't. Got to got to obey just, the rules. You just, just freaking blew the test, Fox. That's true. I did <laughs> just blow the test. In terms of who I would arrest, I would say ninety seven point seven percent. That's nice. the only yeah, answer. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, that's if I had and if I had the power to arrest which person ninety seven percent of all citizens. I don't know. And and what are you going to miss um, from your life before you became a judge? Nothing. I'm going to miss pizza. Um, anyway. I mean, I feel like you could probably get synth pizza. I, I mean, maybe as part of like being seduced by a freaking psychic, evil psychic fox. Then you oh can enjoy gosh. the luxuries of life. Um, anyhow, uh, Tharg says, hey, maybe you should fill out this judge card and send it in so we can, you know, have your demographic data. But also, you know, we can publish it in the uh, in the prog and it'll be fun. Yeah, Top hey, why winners not? winners will get a, uh, a Judge Dread collection and the number one winner will be sent into the future to become a judge, which oh. is pretty cool. Oh, no. You're going off. You're going out there, Fox. Oh God, right? no! You're gonna freaking learn judging in the future. Uh, I will fail. I will because yeah. I guess I'm too old already. Anyway, right? They don't take no. you past a certain age. Oh yeah, age. no way, man. You'd be like you'd be 15 years older by the time you got out. You aren't ready for that. That's you're, fair. They're going straight up Yoda on you, man. Too old to be kid the draining. You know. <laughs> Love it. And speaking of guys with uh, being forced into unusual jobs, Fox. Oh my God! Like I said, the sexiest episode. Thrill for slay. Can I just? I just want to do this real quick. I'm a horsey. I'm a horsey. Yeah. God, Pony can... play and stew play in here. Oh it's my ridiculous. God! Oh my God! That's right. I forgot about food play that happened in this shit. K- kind of a wham thing going on here. Oh my um, god, it's so weird. And then like Ucko standing in front of your junk, like ah, uh. yeah. Listen, script robot Pat Mills, art robot Glenn Fabry, Lenny robot Steve Potter. Things, yeah, getting sexier as Slane's coronation reaches its zenith. <laughs> it just seems like it's the best coronation ever. Slane's made to dress as a horse and must walk around the warrior stall on all fours, oh. representing the sun moving through the zodiac. He's got like a, br- a a bit and bridle around his head, and he's like all like sweaty and weird as he does it. For the record, yeah, <laughs> like, and, I mean, and in the notes, they're like he has to go to each of his warrior stalls, representing a sign of the zodiac. Yeah, as a horse. Like, I, Oh uh, yeah, my understanding is that um like in this big hall of of Slane's people, like the 10 top guys, like the lords yeah. of the tribe basically each have their sort of like chair in a round table kind of situation. Yeah, like exactly. That, that's called a stall. So he's got to go to each one of those. Yeah. And you know, I mean, he's really got the look of someone who's been made to do this after 
tripping balls and like getting married to the earth goddess you know that we saw last episode yeah this does like, seem like taking advantage of a man other than everyone staring in awe and respect there's just a lot going on here uh, Ma- Maeve looks on from like the ceiling thinking that she'll get that slain perhaps by harnessing the evil Avigdu who also lives inside the cauldron of plenty who I mean she might want to think twice about that after what they do with it you gotta, like, you know, you gotta do wheels within wheels here, May. This is gonna be a difficult situation. Ugh. Ugh. Um, meanwhile, Ucko's selling tickets to Slane's coronation, and, like, they can't see, but Ucko's like, yeah, she'll be able to say you were there, and that's good enough. And they're like, uh, what, what, what do you do with all these coins, Ucko? Like, your, your life is pretty crappy, frankly, for someone who has so much money. Yeah. He's like, I just like to lie it on a pile of gold when I sleep. Yeah, pretty much. He likes to snuggle it, cuddle it. They find that pretty weird. I mean, yeah. you know, he seems, I mean, <laughs> avarice seems to be like his thing, so I don't know how strange it is. Apparently not weird is the next stage of the coronation, <laughs> where Slain sits naked in a cauldron full of horse meat stew, and everybody's got to walk up to that cauldron, and he just, like, pulls some horse meat out of the out of like the the stew that he's sitting in and hands it to people and you got to eat it and then, and then well then he's got to eat it by bending over and lapping it up with his mouth yeah yeah he can't even use like a cup to drink his own like bath stew stuff they it's call, real weird they really do i feel like call it bath stew or something to they, that effect they do do a pre- like like Fab- between Fabry's art and and Mills's uh, narration, they do a good job of making this uh, this slain soup look pretty gross. I mean, <laughs> he like drinks from it. Uh, he got really sweaty and horse like before, and now he's yeah. just gonna. I mean, taint and all is up in that fucking stew. Yeah, no, so. he's, yeah he's 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 hit, he's like a belly button deep in it for sure. Oh, yeah, and he's like he's he's like sweating out all of this uh, Celtic peyote or whatever that they've got oh him my. on and stuff. It's <laughs> tough, you know. Maybe that's um, just like you know, it's, your, it's you trigger a, a second wave of high for everybody. Probably. Um, eventually, though, Slain's let, let out of the pot. They give him a sweet cloak of golden eagle feathers, and he's proclaimed king! Hey, sure, why not? Yeah, he gets the power of the tribe, and I think there's a fun part where he's, like, forbidden from doing a bunch of stuff. Right. And it's, and a, lot of, like, it's a lot of, like, ritual things, like not wearing a certain piece of clothing on high holy days and things like that. Although one of them's just not eat dog, which is reasonable. <laughs> It well because it was like they're magic taboos based on past events that brought misfortune to the tribe. So somebody yeah. ate a dog and it caused some issues. That seems reasonable, you know. I feel I like mean, I don't yeah, know. no, it's true. I feel like don't eat a dog. Yeah. It is kind of fun just looking up those different like place and like festival names and stuff like that in this, in mm. this section. It's good. Um, anyway, as king, Slain makes one makes his first royal decree, which is to make Ucko royal parasite, which is basically kind of court jester, and with special dispensation, because now when Slain is dies at the end of his seven year reign, Ucko will be the first one killed and tossed upon his funeral pyre, he- even before his various concubines and slaves, <laughs> which is like. 
Sub dude, there's no getting out of it, buddy. He's he had a like he went from like normal face proclamation to insane face proclamation to full oh, of yeah. rage proclamation. Listen, Slane can go from just like nice friendly Jack Nicholson, like as good as it gets Jack Nicholson, <laughs> to like crazy, like you know, last thirty minutes of the shining Jack Nicholson real fast. It's, <laughs> you know? it's amazing. Uh, but so yeah, um, and I think Oko is basically like, okay, seven years, I can figure out a way out of this in that time. Let's just live it up until then. Yeah, hey, <laughs> so, why not? Yeah, but so now, uh, that's it, man. A naked slain becomes king, and standing in front of his junk is a bragging Oko. <laughs> Hail slain, the battle eager axe man, whose heroic hard hand splashes gore. For it was slain who defeated the gold dig of Scytherule. Slain who escaped from the Tower of Glass. Slain who killed the ice dragon of the Glamorland. He was a raging storm, a crimson blade, not someone to behold on a dark night. Well, not bad. Sl- Slain promises chopped flesh for the glamour for for the uh, for the Earth Goddess. He'll drive the tyrants back to Tory Island, which remains a funny a hidden political statement by Pat Mills. Yeah, and to free the land of the young, the end of Slain. Oh my God, he's gonna return, but in color later this year. Uh, no. Oh. Um, sadly, after this, actually, Slane's going to go on a bit of a hiatus. Oh. They, they don't know this yet, but uh, Pat Mills is about to become very busy with Nemesis and Nemesis-related stories. Oh. So Slane actually won't be back until summer of 1988. So, so Son of a bitch. It. Is it going to be all in color, at least? Uh, no. But listen, all right? <laughs> like, even, even summer of 88, it's not going to be back for all that long but buddy in 1989 slain's coming back with the horned god and that's going to fucking blow your socks off <laughs> all right i'm into I'm, i like it when my socks explode like so. that like like that's a story that that changed 2000 ad and british comics forever and is sort of like considered by many to be one of the crown jewels of 2000 ad like, okay. like, like that series i'm fucking I don't wanna, i'm into that yeah, I feel like I'm building it up a lot, but I'm hoping that you'll I mean, forget about my hyping by the time we get to 1989. Dude, you know? do you know how long my my memory lasts? I'll, I'll I'll drink a beer after this or something, and we'll be good. Yeah, yeah listen, it's an early 2020 problem for for your voice. <laughs> Don't there, you know? stop it. Don't do <laughs> Wait, no, no, that. Actually, no, 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 no. It'll it'll be fall 2019. No, or like uh like like Christmas 2019. I think. Just or, ground you know, me, ground me in near reality. God, that's terrifying. It's gonna be good. Hey, speaking of grounding everybody in reality and oh. the slow forward march of Space Spinner 2000's progress, Fox. Oh my God. <laughs> non thrills, covers, and nerve center. Ray. Prog 519. It's an alien's arm control shootout as Reagan cheers Johnny Alpha in this Carlos Escara cover. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. In the nerve center, Tharg laments the bad company slain and the dead are ending and is pretty stoked about Prog 520. There's pictures of Judge DR and a Kano Beast, <laughs> which Get is it? awesome. And then also they chose this one because brains. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Nice. Yeah, that's why I thought it was like this interesting foreshadowing where it's just like yeah. his head popped open, but the kid also managed to, I mean, it was really funny also. 
It's like, yeah, huh. puns, puns lead the way to truth, I guess. Mm-hmm. Letters include terrorist demands for the return of Halo Jones and wow, Skiz. Wow, this would not or, get printed. <laughs> yeah, or Mechquake will be made editor. Uh-huh. I mean, Skiz will be back eventually, but not for a long time. Oh. Um, other, other letters ask, ask what happened to Harold Quartz, and he, re, he retired on watch money. There's <laughs> requests for another Dread Mega Epic, and here's where Tharg teases the coming of Oz later in the year. We're just going to have world-changing implications for a fair amount of Judge Dread. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. There's also questions about Psycho Q from, the, uh, fr- from that Telltale Heart story we mm. talked about, basically wh- why they need two. And it's clearly because that dead guy's girlfriend was also made crazy <laughs> by, you know, that stalker guy showing up with, yeah. with her boyfriend's heart at the door, yeah. you know. Um, the prog ends with previews of the comics we'll be covering in the back half of the show here, including Anderson, Rogue, and Torquemada. And Dark also gives us some long-term plans, which do include the Slaying the King Part 2, which won't be coming. Uh, ABC Warriors and the Nemesis photo story freak out. And the two Torquemadas! Ooh! The prog ends with a final in this series of cover retrospectives, and it's very like, fuck this, it's Prog 520. So... <laughs> So it covers 1983 to 1986. Mm-hmm. There's the premiere of Slain from Prague 330, Johnny and Johnny Alpha versus the Styx Brothers in 385, yep. the final Brian Bolland cover of Judge Dredd in Prague 403, and Anderson versus the Demons in 427 and 472, oh, I should say. That poor kebab child. Uh, listen, that kid had it coming. Um, you know, <laughs> sliced off more than he could chew, buddy. Oh my god! Oh yeah, my god! Yeah, 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 yeah. His head was spinning. <laughs> um, anyway, Prague five twenty ten years of two thousand AD. Oh man, such a sweet cover. Zarge yeah. as hell. Big birthday cake with the art by John Higgins, inspired by an idea from Dave Gibbons. I like the it's little a, tiny robots that are pulling a giant slice of cake out. Yeah, big floating space cake. On the side, there's a bunch of portraits. They DR and Quinch, Johnny Alpha, Nemesis, Rogue, Dread, Anderson, and Sam Slade. I, I think it's funny or interesting, I should say, in these big anniversaries just to see who makes the cut mm. for like who you'll remember for these characters, you know? I, I, I especially as the years go by and like new people come in and sort of replace some of these older guys, you know? Interesting. Like like I like I I don't think Sam Slade would make the cut in a current one. You know? No, and 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 maybe not even Nemesis. Honestly, I don't know. It's, it's been really? a while since there's been any Nemesis. Um. Anyway, so here's the deal with this stuff, Fox. All right. Oh, oh wait, no. I, I should also say I'd love to see this cake recreated in real life. Like Ooh. this, like I don't know. It seems it seems like a pretty simple cake, but a 2000 AD like like Great British Bake Off would be an excellent uh, showstopper if you ask me. FYI um, to people out there who want to do a throwback. Yeah. Um, there's no real nerve center, of course, because it's a big uh, anniversary issue. So it's just Tharg sort of explaining the concept of the prog with Beetlejuice and sayings and like that. Um, one thing to note here, Fox, I don't know if you noticed this, but in Prague 5, 520, 2000 AD gets some key upgrades, basically. Hmm. The paper quality is improved, so and uh, the ink is too, so there's no more ink-stained fingers when you read it. I mean, we couldn't right. know that, but just FYI for that. Um, the aspect ratio is different. It's, there's now a, it, it's now 20 millimeters mm-hmm. taller than it used to be. Right. It's a slight difference, but if you kind of have two... If you have like Prague 519 and 520 next to each other, you, you can kind of see the, see the difference here. Right. It's starting to get more paper-like and less squared. Yeah. And the biggest change is this new cover that we saw. 
I don't think it's glossy, but they have changed the paper to allow for these four painted images. If you notice just how the cake looks and stuff, it's, it, it's, mm. it's the color and artwork is uh, painted instead of drawn. And that's going to allow some really amazing stuff as 2008 moves forward. Awesome. So watch this cover space. Mid-Prog, there's a bunch of quotes wishing 2008 a happy birthday. They include uh, Lemmy and Wurzel from Motorhead, Robert Smith from The Cur- Cure, which may be um, apocryphal, Hank Wang- Wangford, Run DMC. Again, that I don't know if they actually the- said that. That surprised yeah. the fuck out of me if that's true. <laughs> yeah. The Fink Brothers, who are, of course, part of Madness, and uh, Scott Ian of Anthrax. And because I checked it, um, 1987 is right around when the Anthrax album Among the Living came out, which is what the uh, Judge Dredd song I and the Law is on came out. And so now I know the music for the Judge Dredd annual this year. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Look forward to that. Respect the badge. Anyway, Prog 521, Anderson can take the heat and dish it out in this fiery cover by Barry Kitson. It's real cool. awesome. Injured Anderson lying in front of a huge flaming background. In the nerve center, Tharg is still recovering for Prague 520 and announces that there are entries from the 2000 AD and 2000 AD contest. Um, there's pictures of Rogue Super and Thatch the Warlock with Ron and Doc, her familiar, just mm. biting political criticism in these fan art sections. All right, then. <laughs> Letters call out Tharg for using the Prague number instead of the calendar date for 2080's birthday which has been confusing to me in the past. There's a letter entirely in Tharg's language in Quaxon, and a question about why there's no word for modesty in the Quaxon Dictionary. Because, <laughs> you know, Tharg's a real jerk. Um, and then we get these uh, fun, futuristic 2000 AD covers. Um, they do all overshoot when 2000 AD... Um, like, what, what the first issue of the year 2000 will be, of course, is because there's some ir- irregularities in there. I do like how a lot of these covers have alternate titles for a futuristic 2080. Sorry, there, there was a contest earlier where Tharg asks, like, hey, like, it's our 10th anniversary. What do you think 2080 will be like in the year 2000? Huh. And so a lot of the titles are like, you know, there are future days, infinity AD, 2000 AD and beyond, stuff like that. You know, no one thinks they're just going to keep calling it 2000 AD in the future, which becomes increasingly weird as we move further and further away from the year 2000. But but whatever, <sighs> you know. <laughs> My favorite is um, the vid the vid mag that that someone drew up. Yeah, I do like how there's a lot of uh, covers that that have all the uh, characters in 2000 AD as like old men, like you know, an ancient thread <laughs> in a in a wheelchair and stuff like that, which is pretty good. That um, is pretty good. There's also some some guesses about what 2000 AD will cost in the future, and they're all really wrong, like way cheaper than it will actually be, oh. which is like one pound and thirty pence by by the year 2000. Well, that's wishful thinking. Yeah, you know, sad. No one could imagine. Um, and then and then the prog ends with a pretty awesome picture of the gas man, uh, Kev O'Neill. Yeah, creeps in the cellar, deviance in the ducting, purge the pests with the gas man. Hey, yeah, sure, real great not? stuff for this future guy. And I know I keep saying that Nemesis is the father of Warhammer 40k, but you can really see it here. Oh, know? I mean, fucking veritably. Definitely. Prog 522. No! Alan Davis draws a sweet Judge Dread cover. Just the guy hanging out, lawgiver ready, looking real cool. 
In the nerve center, Tharg talks up the So You Want to Be a Judge story. There's a pair of kitchen appliance pictures, one of a metal Zoic teapot, the other of a Torquemada fork. <laughs> Letters include a complaint about cutting the vote card out of the cover of the, of, of the comic. A baby is requested to be a Kiltro Thargo. Another letter accuses Durham Red's costume of being copied from Kate Bush's from the cover of the single file video. Huh. I've investigated this, Fox. And while they are similar, uh, Red's clothes actually cover more skin than Kate Bush's does. Because uh, Durham Red's kind of got this like a, uh, uh, a chest plate kind of thing going on. And mm. uh, Kate Bush is just sort of wearing a bikini. <laughs> Finally, a reader from the planet Rot has learned English from 2000 AD, Good Times, and this issue ends with a portrait of, two, of a DR and Quinch by Alan Davis, complete with guns and beer cans. Oh, they're almost back! Oh, baby. Real exciting stuff, Fox. But as one story begins, another must end, and so <gasps> we go to Thrill 5, The Dead. Hey, look, it's ending. It's real crazy, buddy. Um, just, just one dead here. Script mm. about Peter Milligan, art about Massimo Bello, Donnelly, letting about Clive McGee. I feel, I feel like I understand why this one exists, but it, it did, just sort of feels like this already happened, if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like this one mostly exists because, like, the uh, production deadlines for Slaying the King were really slipping out, and they needed mm. to slide something in for 10 frogs, if I'm being That's really fair. honest. Um, a mortal future man, Flood, dies in the arms of the people trying to lynch him, following the destruction of the demons invading their immortal human world. Soon after he dies, those who joined them joined him in fighting the demons die as well, and Flood arrives in the afterlife, confident the cycle of birth, life, and death have returned to Earth. Sweet. Uh, and, uh, hey, man, I'm Root, and I guess you're just going to be stuck here with me forever. We'll keep each other company, right? Yeah. Friends to the end. Aww. Ain't he my friend? <laughs> We're wow. in the afterlife together. <laughs> Let me uh, uh, uproot you by ripping you out from your neck. Yeah, well, that's basically it, right? Like, Flood, arrived, you know, he... Like, like, Root tries to empathize with Flood, saying they're both unable to enter the, flood, the uh, human death sphere... Uh, and Flood can't because he followed Root's instructions leave and stuff like that. And so Flood's just real angry with Root, especially as Root kind of like says like, yeah, I was just trying to save Earth. I was just following orders, buddy. And yeah. Flood's super pissed. He rips fl Flood out or Flood rips Root out of the ground, uprooting him basically. And like removes him. He's like, okay, now you're, you're able to move and you can make a choice. You can yeah. Hang out. You can you can be true to your word and hang out with me through the endless afterlife, or you can go into the human death dead spear and find and find peace. And Root, the coward, chooses to go find peace. What a dick! Yeah, Flood is now an eternally wandering or an eternal wanderer traveling the spheres of the afterlife, trying to find a place where he can find answers, reasons. And peace. Dead or alive, Fox. It's the same old story. Man, his life sucked. Yeah. The end of the dead. Sucked. Whoa. <laughs> Definitely. I'm guessing that's not coming back. Oh, no. Um, yeah. <laughs> With this and Bad Company ended, we're actually about to have a big drought of uh, Peter Milligan content. You know, for <gasps> a while, we were having the, the, Peter, the, Peter, the Pete Milligan bookend story. You know, mm -hmm. he's opening and closing the prog. Um, he'll be back in, um, what, October of this year? With uh, or oh, yeah 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 with the story freaks, which is about um, dating aliens and stuff, it's complicated. Okay. Meanwhile, 
Massimo Bellardinelli will be back in Prague 525 with the return of Mean Team. <gasps> awesome. Yeah, I'm so time for your Talking Panthers and stuff, oh, buddy. God damn it. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's going to be a terrible. <laughs> what? No, don't say that. Oh, God. Like, Something. I was. Like, in my, I, in the I had pit of my, my stomach. mind changed with that first part of Mean Team. Like, that was real fun. I'm less stoked about this version. I've reread it, Fox. I'm worried about our. I'm, or, no, I'm stoked because we finally got another whipping boy. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But oh. I'm, my, my, my hopes are low. All um, right. But on the other hand, things I have high hopes for, Fox. <gasps> oh, yeah. It's my girl. Thrill Six. Anderson, Side Division. Uh, script robot John Wagner and Alan Grant as TV Grover. Art robot Barry Kitson. Letting robot Steve Potter. Fox. Yes. Side Judge. Cassandra Anderson has a vision. Not a <laughs> fox. A wolf. Oh, locked in damn. a cage. <laughs> it's fangs bared. Eyes cold and cunning. It breaks from this cage and strides across the city like a colossus. Terrible jaws slashing left and right. The screams of the dead and dying fill the air. The streets run red with blood. Symbolism. And then Anderson's back on her bike, and you know she's just helping, going on patrol. Hey, <laughs> why not? We're looking for, uh, we're looking for Fargo Wells Water Co. Hmm. Always, yeah. She doesn't know what the vision means. It's just when you're a side judge, I guess sometimes you get these random flashes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Back to business. She helps take down this water truck. She knocks out the driver herself when, after the after the judges make it crash. And inside are a bunch of perps trying to escape to the cursed earth like a common uh johnny red and reagan you know <laughs> they should have they should have been in the poop tubes seriously anderson then heads out she is extremely freaked out by her vision of the wolf also freaked out fox is glenny mexworth a housewife at the fraser donaldson block which i i can't figure out who that is glenny know. gets the vision of the wolf and snaps into action. She oh my god, it's a deep state operative. Yeah, she kills her husband and books two seats on the Zoom to Brit sit. Hmm. Meanwhile, at the Simon Carpenter block, um, at the Dixie Club, a couple, Josh and Anna, excuse themselves and head to their apartment and just pull some guns out of the floorboards. Just want to be real clear, the Dixie Club is not... Uh, hmm. Cool. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a real bad. Hey, at least it immediately marks these guys as evil, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, If you didn't know before, now you do. Although the, yeah. the swear that they use later in the comic makes it a little clear to me uh, as to whose side they on. Mm. So Anna psychically checks on Anderson and they prepare to take her out. And we just got some freaking psychic sleeper cells going on here, That's, Fox. Dude. It's creeping me out, man. That's like, that's the worst kind of sleeper cell that you can get activated. Definitely. This really reminds me, um, there's a, uh, a Clive Barker movie called Lord of Illusion that, that has something like this, where just mm. sort of a, uh, an evil sorcerer sends a message to his, like, cultist followers, and they just immediately, like, spring into action. Damn. Like, they've sort of developed local, like, peaceful lives, and they just kind of kill their spouses and then go back to start doing cult shit, basically. What the um, fuck? It's got what some really cool this? parts. Uh, Lord, it's Lord of Illusion. It starred like Scott Bakula. And I think I mostly watched because I was like really into Quantum Leap. <laughs> you know, that's acceptable. Damn. Oh, this looks like. Uh, yeah. Oh, 1995, this... a 14 year old Conrad reel into Quantum Leap. Oh, it's man. Those 3D graphics. You know, it's going to do some stuff. Anyway, 
Josh and Anna wait at the end of an alley with their guns to get the drop on Anderson as she approaches. They've waited four years for this. They concentrate and send an image to Anderson, a monster attacking citizens just outside the ambush where, or the warehouse where they've laid their ambush. And really making very clear in that image, Spoonstone Alley Warehouse. Come here. Um, Anderson's on her way as the assassins activate a landmine, but the last minute she gets another flash, and um, this time of the killers and a giant wolf head, its mouth wide open to strike. She realizes it's a trap and swerves her bike at the last minute, managing to dodge a direct hit from the Snap, bomb. Snap, man. But then comes under fire from the assassin. It's awesome. The, the explosion knocks some fuel barrels onto the ground as Anderson takes a, sh- takes a bullet in the leg and shoulder. Oh. She shoots back with an incendiary round, um, lighting up the barrels, causing an inferno between her and the killers. Great, Great Kazan! Kazan! Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. The pair run forced to leave Anderson alive. It was lucky she got that flash, but then Anderson passes out. <gasps> no! Yeah. My babe. Meanwhile... Glennie Max, uh, uh, Mexworth waits sexily in front of Isoblock four, uh, 41. Yeah. Grocery just... bags in hand. <laughs> oh, don't mind me. I'm just a hapless citizen holding these things as a bunch of judges come pouring out of the Isoblocks. Yeah, but they aren't tough street judges like uh, Dread Fox. These guys are Isocube judges. They're soft and, com- and compliant. Oh, my God. She uses her psychic powers to weed out the weakest one of them, Judge Ballard, and then walks and then bumps into him, sending all of her groceries, and, and, and then yard sales her, her groceries all over the place. It's <laughs> so when you drop stuff and it just spreads out all over the place. Like you just That's, got a yard sale out there. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. Maybe boot sale would be the uh, the British version. But anyway, uh. she then starts to psychically seduce the judge. I like Soon. that she's got the she's got a little picture of a wolf on her like onesie leotard mm. slash like leg. I don't I don't yeah. even know how she got into the skin tight outfit, but she's in it. It's the future, you know. You, you probably just like uh, like it comes as like a paste and then hardens into clothes. Oh yeah, you just rubbed it onto you, you or walk something. you walk into like a, a mold of yourself and it, it yeah. just closes on you and then there's your instant clothes. Like Halo Jones had that, right? There was like some yeah, spray, like like they went to like that uh, di- that a uh, fancy party and like a toy had had spray on clothes. And oh stuff. yeah. Um. But so. Basically, he just gets him to, uh, like, just go straight from, like, knocked over groceries to, hey, like, why don't you come home with me? And we'll have, like, a, a cup of Synthicaf. And the, he goes yeah, for it because this mean, guy is a chump. I mean, that's code if I ever heard it. But, you know, they don't. Yeah. Anyway, it's fantastic. C-U-M-P chump. Anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, the judges are cleaning up the site of Anderson's shootout, and Anderson identifies the, the attackers as size somehow related to this wolf that she saw. But she passes out before she can explain more. Meanwhile, Glennie offers Ballard a shot of soy gin instead of synthicaf, mm. and explains that her husband died recently, very recently, as she gets a as she gets the bottle of soy gin from a closet holding his body. <laughs> Well, you know, you want to keep the cold stuff with uh, what needs preserving. Indeed. She puts some powder into one of the glasses mm. and serves it to Ballard. Sexy he drinks powder? it. It's super ominous, buddy. Oh, man. Next time, enter the wolf. Uh, yeah. 
So you'd clearly twigged to some things that they're teasing in this in, in, at the start of this story, Fox. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm like, feeling it. Like, I, I definitely didn't see where it was going, I think, until Prague 521 was when it was. Yeah, that, that was like the great Kazan comment. Yeah. And, and, you know, like four years ago was the Apocalypse War, right? Mm-hmm. And you see like uh, when Glennie goes to seduce um, Judge Ballard, she sort of reflects that the judges in her city were often like weak, like some of these um, like ISO cube judges were. Yeah. In terms of like manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. But she talks about the judges and her city in the past tense, you know? Not unlike a destroyed um, Sav, Savsit one, or, or East Meg one, I should say. So with that said, Fox, I want to ask, do you have a guess as to who the wolf is or what the wolf might be? I'm thinking that if it's a who, it's uh, it's our escaped poisoner. The I, I keep forgetting his name. The dude who basically started the block mania. Mm, Sav Judge Orlock. Could mm-hmm. be. Could be. Anyway, speaking of returning assassins, Fox... It's Thrill 7, Rogue Trooper. <sighs> assassin, not assassin? Who's who's I mean, to say? He's, he's supposed to be if he did his damn job, Fox. I know, you know, it's just, it, it's these, it's hard to find, it's hard to find good assassins uh, in, in on New Earth, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, listen, it, it is if I'm playing Assassin's Creed, real bad assassin, <laughs> Fox. Oh, I'll get there. So it's true. not going to be. It's not going to be smooth. I'm much more the... Uh, listen, I'm just going to spear everybody here, all right? It's going to be good. Listen, <laughs> I've got to be a gorilla man during American colonial times, and i got to chase these pages down for uh, Franklin to give Whoa. me stuff. Whatever. Assassin's it's the bad Creed one. Assassin's Creed reference. Oh, That's God. bold. <laughs> so it was, it like... was the one before the one with pirates, which was my favorite yeah. so far. Uh, I have a soft spot for three, but that's because I really love fucking tomahawks for complicated oh, reasons. Oh, I mean, that's... Um, it's my <laughs> that's favorite a, fi- favorite weapon. That is but, a uh, good choice. Script robot for Rogue Trooper, Simon Geller, art robot Steve Dillon, letting robot Gordon Robson. Okay, so we're doing this Galactic Hitman thing, Fox. Rogue and the Chips are going after a Nort general named Yon Toe, Supreme Commander of Nort Forces Orient. They're going to hit a button, and they'll be teleported right there, and everybody seems stoked about this plan to end all war by killing, like, 20 specific dudes, so I they warp out. So, you know, I, I'm glad that we emphasized the Orient portion of this, because, man, oh, man, there's some things that just make me extra uncomfortable about 90% yeah, yeah, of I mean, this. Racial slur time. Uh, 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 Gunner's not a cool dude, guys. <laughs> oh, I mean, even when Gunner shut up, one of the other chips just keeps chiming in with it, too. And you're just like, what the fuck, guys? Come on. Yeah, so they uh, warp in inside the Nord base. Rogue runs as the chips chatter as normal. Suddenly they, they're found by guards that kind of have this like neo-primitive look. Rogue takes them down, and now the whole army's after them. Standard, again, standard like Conrad playing Assassin's Creed stuff going on here. <laughs> <laughs> trying, to, trying to still end up having to shoot a bunch of guys because like, oh man, this is, uh, you know, not working out. And then, uh, yeah, you're just going to clear Listen. the whole bandit camp. Yeah, I'll stealth a little bit, but eventually we're gonna have to. I'm gonna have to fight everybody at once. So whatever. <laughs> um, and the, the whole army's after them, and they don't even know where they're going to find this guy. And then Gunner d- gives us our first, um, like, like slur of the night. Uh, basically, he calls Yonko a uh, a gook, and, a, 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 and and they're gonna keep saying that through the rest of the story. So oh, let's just sort of skip over that stuff. That's Not really cool. great. Ain't cool. Anyway. 
While the chips talk about sneaking in and executing the general, Rogue explains that that was never his plan. He's not a hired killer or a sneak murderer. He's a trained combat operative, the last of the fighting GIs, the Rogue Trooper. And I'm not going to fall for some not real Venus blue jeans ass ploy. Yeah, he's he was never going to take down Yanto. He's fighting for himself. And with that, he goes to escape the base on a hoverbike. But then the Nord forces blow that hoverbike out from underneath. <laughs> Bad times. The chips keep bickering as and Rogue has, seemed, has seemingly broken his arm in the explosions. Things are going bad. The guards are after him, but even with one arm, Rogue can take him out easily. Just punches a dude in the face with a rifle, so... (laughs) Pretty good, yeah. They sort of escape into the tree line after Dark Robe debriefs the chips. Basically, at the alien base, the choices were join their cause or be killed. So, of course, he went with the whole Angel of Death thing. Yeah. But he's got questions about this whole situation, whether these guys are actually aliens, if this is some kind of setup. Maybe it's some junior officers on both sides trying to create a power vacuum they can fill. That's happened before. Yeah. The r- rogue and the chips are trying to decide a plan when suddenly a hologram Venus blue, blue jean show up. Shows oh. Up. Yeah. She wants to know what's up. Why isn't that guy dead? Also, rogue, what happened to your arm, buddy? Are you okay? <laughs> it's definitely interesting here that she doesn't know what's been mm-hmm. going on, basically. She, like, demands a situation report from rogue, which you wouldn't have if you were an omniscient alien watching a thing. Yeah. Hmm. So... This kind of give, but this gives the the uh, rogue and the chip some ideas. But since blue jeans can just sort of warp in, it means they can't just do a full double cross. I'm out of here, kind of thing. Damn. Instead, they plan to re-infiltrate the base and hack their computer systems. Maybe learn something that way. And it seems like a plan, possibly helped by the fact that there's an army of guys currently <laughs> sneaking up on them. <laughs> So, Rogue and the Chips, they're working out this computer hacking plan. When the guards get the drop on them, they grab Rogue and knock him out. And then take him and the Chips back to the base. Great. As they enter, they see some guys chained up. Souther slaves. Which <gasps> makes you think, I guess. I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, Rogue is taken to the throne room of General Yanto and is forced to grovel at his feet. Yeah, uh, I mean, and where he just goes off on a shaky tension about, you're definitely here to kill me. You're here to kill yeah. me. Murder me. It's, it's not even like monologuing. It's just sort of crazed ranting, really. Yeah, he um, just keeps saying how the guy's going to kill him. And I mean, you keep saying it. It's going to happen. Yeah. As he sort of does this, Bagman dispenses a knife and Rogue uses that to free himself. And eventually, after Yanto takes a shot at Rogue, Rogue comes up with a knife and throws it, hitting the general right in the chest. Well, I so, guess uh, you did it anyway. Yeah, hits hit hit one complete, maybe? I Next can't. time, CompU 73E. Great title, you know, memorable. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll mention, Fox, that CompU73E has been written on the credit cards of 2000 AD pretty much since 2000 AD had had credit cards. Really? Like, it's just little flavor text in, like, the uh, design for the credit cards to make them huh. look, like, futuristic and computery, you know? I did not notice that. Yeah, it's a, just a little thing they're sort of playing off. I don't know. That's cool. Yeah. And speaking of cool, thing, and of cool things that pay attention to little stuff, Fox. Oh, my God. It's Thrill 8, Torquemada the God. What up, Kev O'Neill? Script about Pat Mills, art about Kev O'Neill, letting about Steve Potter. Yeah, listen, this ain't Nemesis, buddy. There's no Nemesis here. <laughs> this is just Torquemada. 
the god. And Torquemada it's still getting has... a little sexy. It's a little sexy. Oh, yeah, yeah, real good, man. If you're if if, if you're into that kind of uh, uh, super thin, sexy Nazi look, I'm okay with it. Uh, or guess. like BDSM crushing. Ready. Um, anyhow, uh, Torquemada has returned to Termite, and the days of of human moderation are over. We just get <laughs> massive, awesome Kev O'Neill landscapes as Torquemada returns and chastises those that have been kind to aliens while he was away. Oh, it's oh, awesome. I like, just love Nema- everyone's outfits and like all of the words on I truck for you, Torquemada. There's so much like I really like I, I can't list it all because it'd be real tedious. I but know. if you look at this, you've got to look at just all the little words written on everything. Mm-hmm. There's so much of them and they're all just these little references to things there. It's really great. I'm just like almost subliminal mess. Well, no, sorry. Super liminal messages of what's <laughs> going on in the story because they're all real on the nose. But that somehow makes them even cry. I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all branding, man. And yeah. killing so, weird space teddy bears. Always, yeah. So, you know, Nemesis, uh, Purity Brown, and the ABC Warriors are all busy saving the universe. And Torquemada is just going to reestablish his power and then re- reap the benefits of their success. It's, he can't lose. Seems like a really <laughs> good evil genius plan. Yeah, let the purges commence. <laughs> Jesus. We see Grandmaster Crassin and Archbigot Kruger strapped to a wheel and smashed, despite the trying to justify their anti-freckled pipple plans. <laughs> I really, good. I really like that on this wheel. It it has like arrows showing where you know this is just the cripple setting, but full death happens like at this point. And they just do full death with just the wheel turns and get smushed <laughs> underneath. It's excellent. Um, a new government of hardliners is established with a new director of public persecutions. Oh my and god! This this is kind of a, a a funny reference to the real life director of public prosecutions in England and other Commonwealth countries. Uh-huh. A new reign of terror begins, of course, especially against the aliens that have moved to termite during the period of detente. The human race is finally united, but there's still one cloud on Torquemada's bright horizon. Oh his wife, I Candida. Love, I love how his eyes change. They look so sad and watery during this whole exchange. Kevin O'Neill gets so much expression out of Torquemada's giant uh, 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 KKK mask here. You really see him being either triumphant or angry or sad or all this stuff. It's really Mm. amazing. Um, Yeah, so he – Torquemada visits Candida. She's committed a mental institution and she's basically just spends her time being either completely comatose, broken up occasionally by fits of hysterical laughter when she curses his name. God. He offers her some chocolate and she just laughs and Torquemada is forced to move away from her. And there's a really great scene here as he's walking away from her and there's signs on the wall and they're all pointed towards the door. And the signs on the wall say excess, indulgence, vanity, cruelty. Um, and they're all air- pointed toward a door and, and the door is an arrow pointed toward it. That's called sanity. Jesus. And meanwhile, Candida sits on the far side of the room that's marked just as night. Wow. It's real cool. Uh, meanwhile, also Torquemada has his brother Nostradamus chained up in a very uncomfortable <laughs> position and constantly electrocuted. Good hey, times. You know, you gotta you gotta really like show your uh, attempted usurper uh, the full extent of how you really did enjoy Metal Gear Solid One. Whoa. Absolutely. Because dude's probably going to get out of this, I imagine. Yeah. 
Torquemada walks away from just the giant madness-inducing sculptures of this insane asylum. Oh, it's real. Contemplating. Yeah, it's, it's real awesome, real crazy, real, real ridiculous. He contemplates that, that he's going to have to get a divorce, get a new wife, and just sort of thinking about how he's destroyed the one person he ever loved. Aww. But hey, let's meet Torquemada's new boo, Sister Stern. Oh my god, she, uh, you know, there's some there's some pluses here. Let's see, first off is she really likes to look like death by using a lot of white powder mascara. Hey, why not? You know, she really likes starving herself and, and pinching her cheeks to just look extra gaunt. And you know what? She's a part of a travel agency that really, it allows uh, people, or in this case, uh, aliens, yeah. uh, to, to travel. To home planet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What, you know, just a lot of really positive uh, acclamations here, plus obsession. But we'll get to that later. Yeah, and she's got a sweet flat top and doesn't wear a lot of clothes. It's good times. Seems um, like a match made in weird heaven. Yeah, she's teleporting aliens back to their home planets. Just drop your valuables over there and we'll beam you up. <laughs> um... Listen, Fox, these teleporters are actually disintegration machines, and we're just going full Holocaust on these on these aliens. You oh know? my god, it's really just it's, so horrible. It's very much at the camps where you go to the showers and they make you like put your valuables like aside as you go in. You yeah. Know? Um and just again, like I was talking about super liminal imaging, um, just so you know, there's at least four Nazi references in the course of this page, Fox. Oh, um, yeah. Sister Stern has an SS pin on her shirt. Yep. Several levers that she works has have shift patterns that form swastikas. Oh. Evil shit going on here. <laughs> oh, God. Of course, Sister Stern loves her job, this cold-blooded murder of aliens. She likes, like, walking the little kid aliens there and then just blatantly disintegrating them right in their face. Oh. Real good. Like you said, she wears white makeup and pinched her cheek to look more skeletal. She loves two things, Fox. Well, what are those two things, man? Her 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 dead dog scamp that she has stuffed. <laughs> and Torquemada! Oh my god, I mean, she is like a full-fledged fan club member. It's all over the place. All of her possessions are Torquemada-branded merch, basically. There's only one problem with all of this stuff, Fox. What's that, man? That's her her husband, Brother Stern. Oh man, I see. So she, you know, she got with somebody because she couldn't be with the man himself. Yeah, but now there's an opening. And you know, Stern's all right, man. He's a secret policeman. He arrests thousands of people to purge radicals. But he has to, he has to arrest one person every eight minutes or be arrested. Yeah, it's, it's a hard life. Um, so listen, <laughs> there's an opening for a wife of Torquemada, and. Sister Stern has caught Torquemada's eye, so Torquemada does what you always do, which is just, again, just like we we went full Nazi at the start of this story. Now we're going full King David as um, Torquemada sends Brother Stern off on an impossible quest, and he's quickly killed. I I love how he does this while getting a bath. Yeah, it's it's great. He's like sitting in the bath being scrubbed. Brother Stern's hearing this while wearing a towel and stuff. It's excellent. Oh god. And this um, is just in like a singular like half of a page. It's just like, "Hey, what's up? We're going to plow." And she's just like, "Yeah, but I'm totally married." And he's like, "Nah, it's fine. He's dead." Don't worry, now. baby. I took care of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much a wink and a nudge to everything, but, you know, he blames yeah. it. He blames it on Nemesis, and then she's just like, "Ah, oh, Nemesis, girl, I'm so glad it's justified that we're now together." As they embrace, yeah, no two people have ever truly deserved each other for better or worse, as Torquemada and Sister Stern, as we'll soon see. Really? Anyway, 
never forgive, never forget, never have fun, Fox. Because uh, <laughs> before the actual Nemesis comic, there's a great close-up of Torquemada, like on the cover of a book with a lot of inspirational Torquemada sayings. And then um, angry Terminator heads before um, behind him. Just mm. in the middle of the frog. It's good. So Torquemada's quickly married to Sister Stern. Oh, it's like immediately. Yeah, in an obscenely expensive and gaudy wedding. You know, this is a very Pat Mills idea. We've we've seen it before in Nemesis, actually, just of these royal weddings to distract these citizens from their terrible lot in life, you know. Sure, why not? Always. I um of course it, you know, very big com- ceremony complete with like Sig Hale salutes and all that stuff. Uh. Of course. Soon afterwards they have a son, Attila de Torquemada. <laughs> things seem real go real dope in an interview Torquemada rejects the claim that there can be peace with the alien he's building big big beautiful dungeons to da- to jail anyone who um publishes those lies and even harsher sentences for alien sympathizers and he ends of course with his usual admonishment to have faith in him be pure be vigilant and behave and remember deep down you know he's right it's, ooh it's creepy god um, damn we see a bit of termite media here with reports of a massive earthquakes are papered <laughs> over by good news story about cute bunnies. And then they go to the primetime soap uh, Stalis, which is about how, like, you know. how weirdly like current news this is. I mean, I got to disagree with you, actually, Fox. This is the one this is the one part of Nemesis that I feel like is not is not a biting criticism of. Oh, no, I don't. From I don't. Eighty seven. Well, all right. Let me let me say I've watched enough Fox and Friends. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to say is that these days you don't have a happy, good, uh, uh, feel good story to paper over the bad stuff. Instead, you go harder on the bad stuff to create a feeling of fear in the viewer. You know, Mm. like you want them sort of afraid and cowed instead of feeling good and distracted. You know what I mean? But um. Anyway, I don't want to talk too much about politics on Boom. this podcast. I'm sorry. But let's let's to cut drop. to a creepy but kind of cute looking Candida. Yeah, Candida's crazy. She's watching Stalis, which is, you know, Dallas, of course, but yeah. set in the stalagmite towers of um, of uh, Termite. And as she sort of sees, like, you know, a star-crossed lover, one's a robot that can never be in lo- be, be married and stuff like that, she just thinks about her life. She reflects on the power that um, Nema- that a Torquemada gave her, but how that also led to her children being killed by Nemesis. She thinks of this and hears the incessant tapping on the pipes by Nostradamus, sending messages to her that he has a plan to escape that he loves her, that she just has to wait. But she stands there, impassive as the tapping. I mean, just like gone, man. Next time on Nemesis, darker still. God damn, Nemesis, baby. I love this, man. It's so uh, dark and like just the victory... Like, the victory of Torquemada here is so amazing of just, like, showing this evil guy, like, you know, triumphing, basically, and having his moment in the sun. And, of course, like we've talked about, and this has been true pretty much, like, for a lot of Nemesis, especially since I think Brian Talbot took over on art, just of of using Nemesis as a way to comment on what Pat Mills is seeing in 1987 politics in Britain. And inter- and how interesting it is that we can see this also reflected in in this in in our own times, and I think 
that what that really means is that it's applicable anytime. You know, mm. I'm sort of brought back to Judge Cal and how you know when that was coming out in like early t- when when we were covering it in, in in early 2017, we could really apply that to to the world we were seeing. But I think you could also apply it to whenever like a a, a politician you don't like is in power. Basically, I think yeah. that um, it makes these stories universal. And part of why I don't like to talk politics too much. <laughs> In these in, in these podcasts, it's just that I think a lot of these themes are kind of universal about like concepts of tyranny and um, how people use the media and other things like that to sort of gain gain their power. You know, yeah, it's a and good so, comment. You know, yeah. So like, I don't know. Like, I just don't want like again. Like, I just don't want to talk about. About, about 2019 stuff in this podcast, especially because my dream is that we finish this thing in like 2028 <laughs> and hopefully the politics of 2019 are just memory if you're sort of listening through this whole show. But anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> um, finally, let's wrap things up, Fox. Oh, yeah. Thrill 9, Future Shocks. Yay. Uh, script robot Alex Stewart, art robot Simon Harrison, letting robot Clive McGee. First time in the prog for artist Simon Harrison. Welcome. We'll do a lot of stuff in 2000 AD, including Bradley and Revere. Oh man, I'm not really looking forward to Bradley. I gotta say, but um, okay, I'm looking forward to some of the other stuff. Some of the other stuff. Anyway, a sneaky secret agent guy infiltrates a tracking station, taking out guards as he goes. Eventually, though, he's captured. He explains that he's Smith from Central Security, testing base defenses. <laughs> and the head of security is like, oh, well, okay. Like, are you satisfied with what you found? And Smith says he's very satisfied. But the real Smith wouldn't be because I killed him an hour ago. Oh, my God. Oh, he's an android traitor with a built-in bomb. And then he explodes. Whoops. <laughs> And that's it for Future Shocks. Yay. This is fantastic. Great job, Future Shocks. Yeah, in and out in two pages, very standard, oh, I'm actually an alien sort of Future Shock, you know? <laughs> like, you know, big four Future Shocks, like, uh, oh, these aliens are tiny, that's one. Um, oh, the alien, oh, they're actually humans is another one. Then, oh, they're actually uh, aliens. That's the third one. And the fourth one is uh, the hunter is actually the hunted or whatever. Um, anyway. Oh, my God. Tiny aliens is still one of my favorites. I want more they tiny ju- aliens. Yeah. As we're recording this, um, Where Eagles Dare just got a new Future Shocks uh, uh, type story. And one of the first um, stories was a uh, these aliens are actually tiny. God uh, so damn like, it. Come on, guys. You got to be better than this. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Eagle. Anyway. Uh. With that, Fox, we finished the progs for this episode. Oh, man. Yeah, 519 to 522 in the books. And with that, I have one question for you. I have one answer. Well, probably yeah. multiple answers. Actually, yeah, two answers, please, which is what were your top and bottom <laughs> thrills? They're all bad. No. Uh, so, no, of course not. So uh, I'm going to do my special mentions up up front first, just before we get there. Man, oh, man, mm. I'm loving the god Torquemada. It's really good. So detailed, so beautiful. I really love where Anderson's side division is going. I can see the setup. I'm waiting to see how it unfolds. It's stoking me. I'm I'm hot to trot. Um, And, you know, it sort of sucks that I'm not going to get more slain, I guess. Mm. Just tease me with some fucking horseplay and then just, like, edge me out of... of Something, yeah, you're something, edging something. Right, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. There's just no, there's just no release for me on that one, which really just bothers me. But what I am gonna say is clearly top, super top is Strontium Dog. 
Holy shit. Not not only was it action packed, not only was it sexy. I was just mm. interested. I I like these three kind of traveling around being goofballs, you know? Definitely. Like I, yeah. I love that we have a we have a stoic, we have an idiot, and then we have kind of the a playful one in between. It's three mm. stooges as done by I don't know, a better writer. Yeah, the the three Stooges where instead of meeting uh, uh, Dracula, Dracula's one of the Stooges. <laughs> oh my God! See exactly. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Scooby Doo where instead of meeting the Harlem Globetrotters, the Harlem Globetrotters are a part of the Scooby Doo crew. Mm, that'd be a stronger story, I, I, if you ask me. Uh, it's always a stronger story when the Harlem Globetrotters are involved, especially right. when they're the Harlem Globetrotters with the superpowers. Because there were ones mm-hmm. without the superpowers, and there are ones with the superpowers. Any. Anyway. If I could whistle, I'd be doing it right now. Yeah. So, okay. So, so what's your bottom, Fox? Uh, my bottom, and, it, and you know, I, I feel like a, a very heavy eye roll coming on. I'm gonna say it's uh, that it's Rogue Trooper, but it's not because I'm not interested in the story. I'm still bought in. I still like to see where it goes. It just was highly cyclical. So it's like I got there and I'm supposed to do the thing. But no, man, we're not going to actually do the thing. And then they go about doing all this stuff so that then they eventually do the thing. You know? Yeah, that's fair. I feel like that's like a two prog job, um, like at best. Like <laughs> set up the thing and then you you kill the guy by accident anyway. And then we get some setup for the like what happened next. But just took its time telling me like something I already knew, which is Rogue Trooper's not going to just follow orders. Wouldn't be Rogue Trooper yeah. then if he didn't Gotta disregard. Rogue, yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's that's where I sit. And do you know what, Conrad? I'm done sitting mm. in this chair of answering. Here, take these weird pills and these injections and give uh, give the truth serum some time to work while I ask you the important question, which is what were your top and bottom thrills? Whoa. Okay. Let it affect me here. Um, I will say that uh, the first hit is not over yet. Uh, there's still some more stuff to go here. Mm. Anyway. Um, I'm gonna bot for me. Bottom's really hard. This feels like yeah. a really good month. Like there's a lot of really good stuff beginning and ending. Like this one feels like a contender for top month, or it would be if I didn't know what else was coming this year, which has some really Jesus. Stuff. Um, but I think I hate to do it, but I think <laughs> I'm gonna just say the dead for my bottom. That's okay. Like ending was unsatisfying. It just they just sort of snapped it closed. It sort of sums up a lot of the problems I've had with the dead about just fl- how unlikable Flood is. Yeah, and how sort of uninterested I am with his larger story and stuff like that. You know, I'm um, um like I I re- like the uh, the days of this being a, a creepy mis- like th- this is best when it was a creepy mysterious. Yeah, story. exactly. Not knowing yeah. what the hell, and then it's like, oh, yeah. we got to finish this off. Yeah, we talked about this a lot last episode, and I'd say just refer to that, basically. um, Hate it. In terms of our our criticisms of the dead. But Top is real hard, man. Um, I think in the end, I definitely do want to shout out... um, Judge Anderson, mm-hmm. I really love just these sleeper cells going up and sort of, you know, getting a psychic vision and then bursting into action. That's really creepy. Waiting really for the awesome. sign is awesome. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, and it's, and it's really great just sort of to open up the prog and stuff. It's, you know, good action and interesting story. And, uh, and, and the art's really great also. Yeah. I thought Dread was really funny this, this month. Just the blood bank stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. 
the parody ads, um, the do you want to be a judge stuff, all that, and the Whitey's return I thought was great too, just a way to deal with that. Um, it was good stuff. Yeah, but I think my top, I'm going to have to agree with you oh, about yeah. um, Strontium Dog, buddy. Who's going to turn down a shower with Ronald Reagan? I feel like Strontium Dog has just been in our top for like a year, and it's just been really doing <laughs> some amazing stuff. You know, it's But it's hard for you to not pick it, because this was just really great, even though this was mostly a setup one. Um, sure. There was, some, there was some good fighting, and just, again, just the raw ridiculousness of all this stuff having to do with Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Ronald Reagan <laughs> remains like the best supporting character in 2000 AD at this point. It's, you know? it's, so, it's so true. Like I said, I would not mind him replacing the Gronk for a time. And I'll say, man, that page of um, red showering, Johnny coming in and being all sexy, then Reagan just freaking bounding in and like <laughs> dropping the soap and stuff like that. I mean, it's like, it, you know, Three's Company. Is like a top 2000 AD moment of all time. Like gotcha. of the 42 years. Like that's something that's like, this is something that everybody sees. And even if you don't know the con, like actually, maybe even if, especially if you don't know the context, it's hilarious. <laughs> I was gonna say it's kind of something that you didn't know you wanted to see it until you saw it, and then you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like just weird, weird slapstick shower humor involving a U.S. president. You know? Okay, I guess <laughs> this. I mean, you I know. didn't know that it worked for me, but man, oh man, it works for me. Yeah, it like like for that scene alone, I've got to put um, um, Strong Team Dog at top for this. That's but so I'm, fantastic. I'm hoping with this new raft of um, thrills starting mm-hmm. up, something I'm really excited about that you know, uh, Strong Team Dog will get will be t- will be forced out of the top spot. I'm always happy to see competition for that top spot, Fox. Yeah, man. I mean, we like good competition, and soon uh, we're gonna have a lot of it because apparently we're getting a new whipping boy. I hope so, man. Like, we'll see. But I reread Mean Team, and I did not really like it very much. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm anyway, really sad. Yeah, it's exciting. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site at spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us at spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2080 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages on Twitter. At Space Spinner 2K for everything else from Space Spinner 2000, we should be there. And then come back next time as Torquemada loses control. The wolves are howling for Judge Anderson. (laughs) Rogue is still on the hit. Dread deals with pit rats and raggedy men. What? It's Dog on Dog and Strontium Dog, and some old friends return, namely Mean Team and DR and Quinch. My boys, they're back in town. The boys are back in town. That's right. Until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splunding the Friends to the end, ain't we, my friend? We kind of blend together, floody and root. Boy, what a tea. You'll never find two other guys compatible as two dead guys. (laughs) 
for two of a kind, much of a mind. We find our way together, thinking as one, searching for dead sphere skies.